0: This is the MyHeart.net podcast. This show is produced by Dr. Philip Johnson in conjunction with VitalEngine.com. Please welcome your host, Dr. Alain Bouchard of Cardiology Specialist of Birmingham, Alabama at St. Vincent's Medical Center, part of Ascension. Well, uh, welcome to our podcast on uh, cardiac rehabilitation and secondary prevention. And, um, and actually, if you go to a, a presentation on cardiac rehab uh, here in the U.S., very likely you're, you, you should hear Dr. Chip Levy doing a presentation somewhere. And that's because he's written a lot of the literature on the subject over the last several years. Um, Dr. Levy is a Professor of Medicine and Medical Director of the Cardiac Rehabilitation and Preventive Cardiology Program at the John Oshner Heart and Vascular Uh, Institute at the Ochsner Clinical School at the University of Queensland School of Medicine. And uh, Dr. Levy, or Chip, thank you for taking uh, part of your Sunday afternoon. And uh, Yeah, it's a pleasure. Cardiac rehab. Pleasure to be here to talk about cardiac rehab. Thank you. So Chip, uh, today we're going to try to, uh, in summary, we'll we'll try to present something about what is cardiac rehab and secondary prevention, who is more likely to benefit from that, what kind of exercise program are we talking about in in the cardiac rehab? What other components are there? Because a lot of people think it's just about exercise and I can do that at home. Um, What are the clinical benefits of cardiac rehab? And and then we'll finish by talking about what are the barriers and maybe how can we solve them? So let's start, uh, Chip. What is cardiac rehab, and what is well, secondary prevention?
1: Well, it, it's it's a comprehensive program, and as you mentioned, most people think about when they think about even even some clinicians and and cardiologists might even think that that it's exercise, and it's it is that that is probably the most important thing. But it is a comprehensive program that also involves education, uh, comprehensive risk factor modification counseling and particularly psychological counseling for the, for the, the, a large amount of psychological distress that our cardiac patients have, as well as the exercise. And when they think about the exercise, they think it's all, you know, basically patients walking on the treadmill or riding an exercise bicycle or or riding an elliptical machine, but it's also resistance exercise to, because, because muscle strength, uh, and and bone strength is also a very important part of cardiac rehab. And 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 the purpose of cardiac rehab is to return our patients to an optimal physiological and psychological function, and and getting them back to where they were before their cardiac event, or maybe to a higher level than they were before their cardiac event, because many of the patients had low exercise capacity, and had psychological risk factors like depression, anxiety, uh, and psychological distress that can be lessened with cardiac rehab. Many of them had these before their cardiac event. And so it's a comprehensive program to, to accomplish all of this, to improve the quality of life of our patients, but also to reduce their risk of a subsequent major cardiovascular outcome, including cardiovascular mortality, that's death from heart disease, as well as all-cause mortality. Now, we'd like to do—we'd like to reduce the symptoms of angina and shortness of breath. We'd like to uh, improve, you know, again, the quality of, of life. We'd like to to reduce their risk of having heart attacks. S- some of this is harder to show than others, but certainly showing the benefits on functional capacity. Improving the risk factors, reducing psychological distress, uh, and reducing cardiovascular mortality and all-cause mortality has been now well shown in the medical literature with cardiac rehab. So it's a pretty important program that's very underutilized in our practices. So Chip, uh, who's likely to benefit from cardiac rehab? Well well honestly, there's many patients who would benefit and many patients who even have cardiac risk factors um, would would benefit from from cardiac rehab. Right now, the insurance companies typically pay and Medicare, et cetera pays for cardiac rehab in patients after a major cardiac event that could be a heart attack, a bypass surgery, or a, a stent or, a, a balloon to treat their, their blocked coronary artery. That's probably the majority of patients in, in cardiac rehab, but many other patients also uh, are candidates like patients with heart failure, who are stable, with reduced systolic function. That means reduced uh, contractility of the heart. They have a weakened heart squeeze Uh, patients who even have stable angina, uh, you know, sometimes could qualify patients who have had a, 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 a device put in, like a uh, like an ICD, um, an implantable defibrillator, patients who have had a an LVAD for heart failure, uh, people who have had an aortic or mitral valve replacement, uh, all are potentially candidates, as well as patients who have blockages in their leg arteries. Peripheral arterial disease is also a more recent indication. Right now, really in the country. By far the majority of patients, and probably the evidence is strongest for the patients who are following a major cardiac event, like a heart attack, a bypass surgery, or a stent to treat their blocked coronary artery. That's the majority of patients uh, enrolled in cardiac rehabilitation today. So um, if we're talking about an exercise
0: program, uh, a lot of people are scared by that. Uh, Some of them have never really exercised, or they may say, maybe I'm too sick to exercise, particularly with the patients with heart failure. Um, What kind of exercise program can you explain to us a little bit, an example of
1: what would be done with the patient? So typically, typically during the exercise portion of the of the of the program, patients are, are, are often evaluated, and many times they're evaluated with a stress test, and I'll our institution. And we actually even do a cardiopulmonary stress test, which is the gold standard stress test. Very few places will do that. More people will have a stress test just walking on the treadmill. And uh and then they'll use the heart rate responses uh, you know, to be able to give an exercise prescription. And you can certainly do cardiac rehab without a stress test by 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 starting the patients off at low levels of exercise, meaning that they only increase their heart rate by about 20 beats per minute. Off, over their resting levels. But in, in cardiac rehab, the patients are monitored. So you have trained uh, personnel in the center, like, uh, like a nurse, an exercise physiologist, maybe even sometimes a dietitian, you know, but they're very much trained in dealing with uh with heart patients. They know, they understand heart disease and they've and they've had a lot of experience taking care of patients who have the similar problems. To uh, any given patient in cardiac rehab, and so they start the exercise slowly, and 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 it's usually on a treadmill or a bicycle or an elliptical machine, um, and and gradually build up the the exercise capacity over the twelve weeks. Typically, cardiac rehab right now after a major cardiac event is three times a week for twelve weeks, a thirty-six 36- education, and exercise sessions, and you gradually build up the amount of exercise one is doing during the program. Now, we want all of our patients to be exercising for over 150 minutes per week. And we typically want patients to be rec- exercising for over 30 minutes per day, at least five days a week. And, and, and really, it's okay to be doing six or seven days a, a, a week. Even cardiac rehab is only three days a week. So our patients do need to be exercising outside of the cardiac rehab program. But this is a start for many of the patients who have not been regular exercises. They can now get used to exercise and they can build their confidence of exercise and they can gain confidence when they know that they're being monitored and people are giving them constant feedback about their exercise. And that's something that you don't get on your own outside of of cardiac rehab. And so certainly, some some of our patients are already exercising, even without going to cardiac rehab. Even those patients often still get benefit from the cardiac rehab program because they get the education, they get the risk factor modification, they get the, the, the counseling and the psychological benefits. They're also able to push their exercise a little bit harder than they might be comfortable doing on their own outside of the monitoring system. So there are a lot of benefits of cardiac rehab and again the patients in randomized studies who have been randomized to cardiac rehab compared to those randomized to no cardiac rehab are having not only symptom improvements but they're having reductions in cardiovascular and all-cause mortality that's a pretty strong finding yeah i was going to
0: ask you about the data i mean what is the data that we have uh it's not you're not going to. Obviously, this is someone who's had a heart attack a lot of times. You're preventing a a recurrence or you prevent that you're improving their their quality of life as
1: well as reducing mortality. There's there's certainly evidence that we're improving their functional capacity. We're improving their exercise, their ability to do more exercise. And that actually leads to improvements in in their quality of life. One of the biggest things that cardiac rehabilitation does is is and and it correlates with the improvement in the exercise capacity is reduces psychological distress. And and the one that gets the most attention is depression. But we've published data showing that it also reduces anxiety and hostility, which is another way to say unexpressed anger and just total uh, quality of life scores improve with cardiac rehabilitation. But the randomized studies show uh, that it also improves and significantly reduces. And it it varies between as little as 10% to as much as 30% dependent on exactly what studies and what what studies you include in meta-analysis. Meta-analysis means you put many studies into one Analysis and it keeps and it continues to be updated, and people continue to do additional analyses of the published data. But somewhere between 10 10 and 30% reductions in cardiovascular mortality that's cardiac death or all cause mortality. All cause mortality is usually a little bit harder to show reductions in. Uh, and a couple of the meta-analysis don't show that it's statistically significant, but many of them do. Almost all of them are showing very significant reductions in the range of usually fifteen to thirty percent reductions in cardiovascular mortality, which is a very, very strong uh, finding now we we have published and and we've published also a large series where we reviewed other studies that the biggest thing that correlates with the benefits for reducing mortality and cardiovascular mortality is the improvement in exercise capacity that the patients get with cardiac rehab. So we really do need to do a good job at making sure our patients improve their exercise capacity. That can be measured on a you know, and clinically we can have people do a six-minute walk test just to see how far they walk in six minutes. Or we can put them on the treadmill and see how how far they go, what's their incline and their speed at the end of the of the treadmill test. We actually do it by putting a mask on and measure. Oxygen consumption—that's uh, cardiopulmonary stress testing—and we measure gas exchange. That's considered the gold standard to measure exercise capacity. Most of the country doesn't do that. It's a—it's a—and we do it in the academic setting. But um, you know, so so that the improvement in exercise capacity really correlates with the reductions in psychological distress and the improvements in cardiovascular mortality.
0: It's very important. Uh, You mentioned also that there was something beyond exercise. Obviously, Uh, do you find that you know, with the education that you provide, you have better adherence to um, and you know medication, better control of cholesterol,
1: better control of blood pressure, and and so forth, and eating better. So so certainly, all of that typically happens in cardiac rehab. I have to admit. You know, most of the patients who start off in cardiac rehab have already stopped smoking. You know, so so we get a little bit better uh, smoking cessation, but most of the patients who attend cardiac rehab are a select group that they decided to attend. They've usually stopped smoking on their own, but we can get improvements in the in the cholesterol. Not so much in the bad cholesterol. We can do way better with the statins with that, but we can get improvements in the HDL or the good cholesterol with the cardiac rehab and exercise training. We really reduce the triglycerides. That's probably the biggest fat that that, that improves. Sugar gets lowered. Inflammation gets lowered. C reactive protein, which is a which is a very important. Predicted. We don't always measure that clinically, but it's a very important predictor of prognosis. We improve blood pressure. Uh, and so many components, we, we certainly improve weight. Uh, weight only falls a little bit with cardiac rehab, but the waist circumference falls a little bit more and percent body fat falls a little bit more. I've actually published a lot on the obesity paradox, you know, in, 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 in cardiac diseases. So I think that the improvement in weight is not the most important thing that we We're doing, I think the improvement in the other parameters, particularly the psychological distress, the quality of life, and improvement in exercise capacity, is what really corresponds to improvement in prognosis. Chip, if it's so good, uh, why can't we get more of our patients
0: to participate in cardiac rehab? What are the barriers to get the patients in rehab? And and
1: so so there are many barriers. You know, one over the years has been lack of referral. To the program. And that's that's been largely negated now, but many places have automatic referrals. It's considered a quality metric. So many times the clinician checks the box on the electronic medical record to refer them. But the strength of the referral is also very important. So if a patient just gets a call, you know, a week or two later, and no one's ever mentioned it, no clinician ever told them it's really important that you attend cardiac rehab they're less likely to attend. And, and, and then there are other barriers too. Certainly there's age barriers, there's racial barriers, there's, there's socioeconomic barriers, there's distance from the cardiac rehab center. That's a barrier. Um, and, and the fact is, I mean, you see some quotes saying that only 30% of people attend cardiac rehab. I actually think it's way, way lower than that. I think it might be 5 to 10% in the country because even if you look at the old Medicare papers, where, where people are, Medicare has covered cardiac rehab for for decades, in the Medicare pay pay papers, only 13 to 15 percent attend even one cardiac rehab session, and very few of those actually complete the program. So there are many many barriers, and so we do need to do a better better job. And one of the ways is to have the clinician be a vigorous advocate. Uh, and it doesn't have to be the cardiologist. It could be the primary care. It could be the pharmacist. It could be the nurse, you know, taking care of the patients. We all have to do a better job of advocating cardiac rehab to our patients and and, and doing it over and over again. And then we have a much better chance of getting uh, attendance. Now, in the long term, we also need to have remote cardiac rehab. We need to have we have to use more digital and telemedicine. So we have to, we have to bring cardiac rehab into the patients' homes instead of just having them come to the uh to the center the way it mostly is now. We really learned this during COVID. During COVID, every all the cardiac rehab programs were shut down. And so, because you know, because of the uh the fear of the spread of the virus, and actually only only in recent months has the attention. Has the has the programs opened up to full capacity? they, they from from even when they opened up in in uh, in, in in the late of 2020 or early 2021, they still had reduced capacity because of the social distancing. They always the, the patients had to wear masks, which is it's not as easy. It's not as easy to exercise wearing a mask, you know. And so now now at least the restrictions have all removed. Some of the patients still feel more comfortable wearing a mask, but we don't mandate it now. Um, and so, so we, we found out early in COVID that we really need remote cardiac rehab and we needed it before COVID. We need to, because right now there's still many patients who would attend if they could do it remotely, if they could do the sessions, you know, not at the strict times that we require them to come in, you know, for the, for the program. But, um, and I, and I do think that having the center-based cardiac rehab is very, very good. And that, that works for so many patients that do actually attend. And, and, and the patients who do attend, they love it. And they're big advocates. They 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 will, will will talk about it to their to their other patients that they really should do cardiac rehab. But we do need to be better at getting cardiac rehab to the patients who don't attend.
0: I know a good friend of mine that the at the Martin Juneau at the Montreal Heart Institute, they've been doing home cardiac rehab for years. And I know you've written a lot about this. Uh, I guess it's, it's a problem of getting reimbursement for it, right? I mean, it's That's
1: that's, that certainly has been an issue. That's, 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 that we, 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 we made some momentum during COVID. It's still not where it needs to be. Um, I think that, uh, People, you know, all around, you know, are continuing to work on this. I think we're making some strides, but as of today, it's it's uh, we can get cardiac rehab reimbursed at at the center, and we can't always do so uh, remotely. And obviously, in the future, if medicine is all prepaid and it's all you know help, you know, you know, then it's not going to be as much of an of an issue. But really, the fact is that for many of us, it's still you know a FIFA service. You know, you know, we've been thinking for years that it's going to be all, uh, you know, health plan like a Kaiser model, and that's how most of the country is going to be, you know, run in healthcare. But that's not the case for us in New Orleans, and I don't think that's the case for you, Alabama, you know, either.
0: Alabama. Yeah,
1: I agree. Well, that's that's what I was
0: going to ask you, Chip. Uh, what, what's the research? Uh, what are we doing? And and
1: what what do we what should we expect in the future? And yeah, so I think we certainly are continuing to get more and more research on remote uh, cardiac rehab. And typically, what's been there so far is that it's doing as well to improve quality of life, psychological function and and uh, and uh, exercise capacity. There's not data right now on clinical events, but generally, as I mentioned earlier, the clinical events really correlate very strongly with the improvements in psychological risk factors and exercise capacity. So I do suspect that remote cardiac rehab is going to be just as good for reducing cardiovascular mortality and all-cause mortality. Re- further research is going to have to prove that. Um, and 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 when it does, I think that uh, it'll be, be certainly an added advantage. But I do think many people accept that the, that the improvement in, in psychological risk factors, quality of life, and exercise capacity is a pretty good surrogate endpoint, and it's going to correlate with, uh, with prognosis. We also need to do a better job at getting improvements in exercise capacity. We've actually published data that even in cardiac rehab, if you actually... F- monitor the peak VO2 with the gas exchange, 23% with the standard rehab are not improving their peak VO2. Now, if you estimate it on the treadmill, if you estimate it by speed and incline, you'll have a much better percentage of patients who get improvement. But if you actually measure the peak VO2, it's a little bit less. And so we do need to do a better job of, of getting the patients who are not improving with the standard cardiac rehab to get improvements in their peak oxygen consumption. And we do think we can do that with with more high intensity interval training, getting people to, to exercise for at least small amounts of time at higher heart rates. And that's a, a a very good way to improve your exercise capacity. If you think about it, the athletes, if they're training to run a, a race, they don't just go out and run slow every day. They they have they have some of their runs for short periods of time where they run very fast even faster than their race pace. And that's how they get faster and they get uh, more fit. And and the same thing would apply uh, to patients with cardiac diseases. that doing some higher intensity training, uh, even if it's even, and then, and, and when you hear about high intent, when you hear high intensity, high intensity, you think, boy, that's really sprinting. That's, that's really doing hard, hard exercise. Well, for a patient, uh, th- that could be just getting their heart rate a little bit higher. And it's t- instead of walking at, 1.8 miles an hour, they could be walking for a short period of time at two miles an hour. It depends on where they're starting from. So high intensity is relative to the patient. Uh, and, it, and you know, somebody could still see somebody doing high intensity training and think that they're still exercising at a very low level because some people are starting at a very low level. And, it you know, so you, so you can't, if you went and told people that they had to go out and run, you know, there'd be many patients that have a hard time walking fast. You know, and so we're trying to improve everyone's relative exercise capacity.
0: Well, I think that's a very good principle. And, you know, that's something we can apply to each of us. You know, actually, it's sometimes you feel like you're stagnant, you know, in your uh, physical training it's probably because of, you know, you're just doing the same thing at the same level all the time, doing this short interval training where, where you push
1: your. Yeah, but two or three minutes, two or three yeah. minutes to go a little bit fast and you do that three, four or five times during your exercise, yeah. you can improve your performance for sure. Wow.
0: Thank you very much, Chip. I mean, everything you want to know about cardiac rehab, Chip Levy from the John Ochsner uh, Heart and Vascular Institute in New Orleans. Thank you very much. <laughs>
1: It's a pleasure bringing with you today. enjoyed it.
0: To learn more from our team of cardiologists, please visit us at myheart.net. You can also follow us on social media by searching myheart.net on Facebook and Twitter. And be sure to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss our next episode.